glad you're here. My name is Crispina French, and I'm your host of the Rags to Riches podcast. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business, and here I am to show you that you can do that too. Together, we'll navigate hurdles, challenges, and accomplishments while crafting your profitable textile upcycling business to serve you and the planet. My guests and I will cover topics including material sourcing, business savvy, product development, sales and marketing, and self-care. Overcoming struggles, celebrating wins, and reaping rewards of running your very own textile upcycling business is what we are all about. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. This episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by The Unruffled. The Unruffled is a vibrant and feminine collection of slow-made garments and accessories handmade with love by Sandra Primo. Sandra is based in Austin, Texas, and every item she makes is thoughtfully constructed from finely sourced, reused textiles, favoring silks and lace and crochet. Bespoke, one of one, encouraging an infinite circle of recovery. Step into the world of The Unruffled at www.theunruffled.com. And visit the show notes page for this episode at Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com for links and more information. Hey, so today I really want you guys to meet some people that I just met, but I've been kind of following around in the neighborhood for quite some time. It's kind of funny. We're kind of like neighbors. We're both based in Western Massachusetts and we have friends in common, but this is actually the first time we've met in, you know, to chat with us. We're not actually sitting in the same room. We're actually um, looking at each other through the window of our screens. But <laughs> I have with me today, I have Kirby and Sarah from this really cool upcycling company called Walla Sauce based in North Adams, Massachusetts. And it's, I guess you guys are probably like maybe an hour's drive from me. I'm over in Beckett. Um, and actually, you know, it's kind of fun when I have two guests because we get to have like more perspective. So the the first question I usually ask people is like, tell us like a little backstory. Give us a little bit of history about like, how did you guys meet? How did you get started with textile upcycling? Give us what you got. What do you got? So I, I, we'll start from like how the company was found, I guess. Uh, so 2013-14, um, it started, Wallace Sauce started as a uh, barbecue sauce company, actually. So it was, uh, you know, just out of pure coincidence that like we ended up meeting up at Wait, oh, wait, 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 hold on a second. You started <laughs> by making barbecue sauce. He started yeah. making barbecue I've always sauce. wondered like why, what's up with the sauce? Like so, tell me what the sauce is about, right? So this is the sauce. Yeah. And like, okay, it actually kind of worked in our favor when we ended up like, making clothes because sauce ended up becoming like a, a fashionable term. Like if you got lost in the sauce, that meant like, you know, like it may, it meant a number of things. So it just kind of like ended up helping us out in that kind of like image that we had. Um, that is awesome. I love that. Wait, so are you, do you barbecue? Are you like a barbecue guy? Not like really. I just, so like my uncle gave me this recipe of, uh, you know, just like this basic barbecue sauce. And then I kind of like just tweaked it and made it like my own. And then 
like senior year of high school and into freshman year and like sophomore year of college, like I was just slinging it to like teachers, students, like, Oh my oh. God. So you started this as a kid. Yeah. So it was, wow, but it was okay. more like, it was more like that was just like the entrepreneurial aspect. So then yep. once, once I got to MCLA and, um, I think it was junior year. So 2016, 2017 or sophomore year, um, that was kind of when I started shying away from sauce because I started learning more about like the liability thing. So like, I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like if I make a sauce, that get someone sick. They could like sue me for everything that I have because I'm not like an LLC. Yeah. So then started, you know, hanging out with Sarah. Sarah is a really great artist. And, uh, she, we were working on like doing, uh, you know, like pins and patches and sticker designs and stuff like that. And like, you know, college, like everyone kind of wants that kind of stuff, like stickers to slap up their laptop and whatnot. So we started making those and ultimately that led to getting patches and sewing those onto like t-shirt pockets. So like making like pocket tees with like different patches and stuff. And then it was kind of like, you know, if you want us to take it from here, because then this is kind of where you roll into it with the pocket tees well we started making like at first we weren't upcycling we were just learning how to sew um so like i like to make people gifts for birthdays and stuff so i was like out of ideas and i was like my mom had a sewing machine and i got some fabric at joann's and i made pocket tees and then from then on we started making like uh custom hoodies and pocket tees and then we these are still like patched with your imagery and stuff on them yeah we were doing like hand embroidery and they weren't like they were branded wallace sauce but they weren't as intricate as the stuff that we make now is it was more like we were learning i took a class in like sixth grade i made a dog bed and like a stuffed guitar and like that was it i thought that was my last time on a sewing machine but then in college i picked it up again and then it was just kind of like showed him what to do and then we learned a lot of like um, just different, just worked our way up to where we are now. Just, yeah, just doing it every day. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you guys, so you met, so MCLA is Massachusetts college of liberal arts for anybody who's not a Berkshireite. Um, and that (laughs) is located also in North Adams, which is where Wallace sauce is based. And I know you guys have like a storefront, right? Is that right on main street? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 77 main street. So if you're in the Berkshires and you go to mass mocha, which is a big draw for North Adams, don't forget that Wallace sauce is actually probably just as much fun as Mass Mocha. <laughs> so step in and see these guys. But Sarah, tell me a little bit about your history. Did you grow up in the Berkshires or are you, where did you grow up? Are you from this area? I grew up in Rhode Island, um, like 20 minutes outside of Providence, a town called uh, Situate. Um, and then I came to, I actually went to Champlain for my freshman year, which is up in Vermont. And then it was too expensive. So I was looking for a similar area with mountain ranges and a lot of outdoorsy stuff and found MCLA and then just ended up doing, I went for English. So did my final yep. three years there. And then we just ended up rolling through with this still. So cool. Cool. So, and you said your, your mom had a sewing machine. So like, were you, was, was that something that you did as a kid or was it just something that you uh, kind of like touched upon and then sort of circle back to? It's funny because every time I always thought it was my grandmother's sewing machine because my mom didn't really sew. But then she she made like a handful of our Halloween costumes, I remember as a kid. Like she made me, a, I think she made me a witch costume one year, which she says she wasn't proud of, but I'm sure it was great. 
Um, but she wasn't an avid sewer. Now she just has yeah. the machine and then I still have it. I use it for, um, certain products cause it's got a lot of stitches on it, but, uh, yeah, she wasn't, wasn't crazy, but my grandmother was really into fashion and growing up, I like wanted to get into fashion somehow, which I thought was through modeling at one point, which turned out to be a total bust. So then a few years later coming across clothing design, I thought that was really fun to kind of round out that experience because she's always been influential to me, but I never really figured out how I was going to, you know, follow through with that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And how cool that you're in this place now where you're in the fashion industry, if you will, but you're also like, um, create your, your, sort of dismantling and recreating fashion and contributing to like the, you know, planetary healing, if you will. And you're also, you know, getting to hang out in this cool town with your partner and creating this cool business. So that is, I think your grandmother's probably pretty proud of you. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's so cool. So, um, you know, I, I always like, I like to prowl around and kind of learn as much as I can about folks before I start chatting with them. And I just have kind of watched this um, evolution of, you have a really cool thing going on. Like your, your work is, you know, it's scrappy in the best way that I love that. Right. But it's also got this like beautiful, like really thought through finish that I think kind of sets it apart from other work. Can you speak a little to that? Thank you. You want to say anything? Uh, I mean, as far as like the creation of it, you know, it all starts with a, with an idea, you know, like, um, the one thing that I really enjoy doing for like my practices, I, I enjoy making the, the Kuji stuff, so to speak. So, um, that's just really like a good way for us to be able to like use our scraps and also make something that like the first, you know, evolution of it was just because I was like, Hey, I really want one of those Kuji sweaters that like everyone is selling on eBay for $500 because they're super exclusive. Like I wanted to make my own. So, you know, we had made all these beanies and we had all these knit scraps. So then like, it just kind of like happened. And like, as soon as we made that first one, it was just like, Whoa, like, like a step back. And it was just like, all right, like, how are we going to like roll this out? And like, how are we going to be able to like, you know, re keep, keep reinventing it and keep making it fresh. And like every single, you know, time that like we introduce, I I like to think of it like a style, like a house style, like, you know, how just like houses have different like things that they're known for. Like that's something that I definitely um, would like to like keep rolling. But Sarah, I mean, Sarah's got plenty of things that like she does just like, for experimentation and just like if it sticks you know she just rolls with it and if not then you know on to the next one but i'll let her talk well like you know crispina working with like upcycled materials like you don't always have a say in what you make sometimes like you have to listen to what you have and so especially when like people want to give us their clothing like people want to see us turn the things that they had into something new because it makes you know, it, it alleviates a problem. Okay, where do my clothing, where does my clothes go? I don't want. Um, and then it, it creates an avenue for a creation, which is really cool. But, you know, sometimes we get random things. 
Sometimes we get stuff we really can't use. Sometimes we get like a gold mine of, of material. Like when Lila came with those, um, with the material from, you know, your leftover like knit scraps, we were like, are you freaking kidding me? Oh, like perfect. it was, um, it was amazing. And, <laughs> and so you don't, we don't always have a choice. So I like to think about like anything that I do really outside of sewing and just my whole life is like, how do I do this as sustainably as possible? Considering all that I know and that that is always changing and growing and, you know, I might learn something that shows me that maybe what I was doing wasn't actually the most sustainable way to do something. But thinking through that lens really helps me understand like the capacity of which we intake and output and also like what can be, what can be used for other things. There are millions of things that exist. Like it all it takes is a little bit of attention to detail and a little bit of effort to organize and plan ahead to make really circular creations. It's 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 honestly a lot of fun. I love problem solving and figuring shit out. Like even when I was a little kid, I'd take my toys apart and I try to put them back together. Like to me, this is what that feels like. Like, how do yeah. I deal with the trash problem? Um, yeah. You know what person. I think of a lot when I'm thinking about that stuff is like you're taking like this big pile of stuff, right? Scraps, stuff that other people think is trash, but they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And you're just reorganizing it. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is putting like the scraps and the shape that turns into a Koji sweater. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, and for the longest time, I thought that was so easy. Everybody could do this. And like realizing that like, actually not everybody can do this. Mm-hmm. And not only can they not do it, they can't even imagine it. Mm-hmm. So that when we have these gifts that we're able to go like, I'm going to figure out how to do this most sustainably. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a whole bunch of fun doing it. And then the other thing that I see you guys doing, which I have to say is just phenomenal, is you don't replicate, right? Like everything is one of one. We know that. Mm-hmm. This is upcycled. Mm-hmm. But you take that Kooji idea and you go, how are we going to roll this out so that we can repeat it in a manner that is similar? And I'm going to be able to say, oh, somebody sees you wearing your Kooji sweater and they're like, oh my gosh, I totally love that sweater. Great. You can buy one on my website. It's not going to be exactly the same. And that, I think that piece right there is something that a lot of textile upcycling businesses just don't get to. And when you can get to that, then you got a really good thing going because, you know, if you said, oh yeah, thanks. I'm glad you like my Kooji sweater, but it's the only one I'm ever going to make come to my website and you're selling like baby doll dresses. Well, it's not gonna, you know, it's just not the same, right? People don't, they, they want what they see. And when you can kind of like bring that to them with the education of like, why is it different? What, 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 oh, now, oh, oh, you're reorganizing all that trash. Okay, cool. Right. And what I feel like, and that's one thing that you do very well and like are very successful in like, you make very, like you make like a lot of like the home decor stuff. And like, you know, it's so funny because, you know, uh, like a year or two ago, I was washing windows with uh, my friend and I got to this house and there's a Crispina pillow right on the, right on the chair. And I literally said to her, I was like, Hey, uh, I'm like, this is a really nice pillow. They're like, yeah, thanks. Like someone local made that. I, I can't think of the name right off the head. I'm like, Crispina, right? Crispina French. They're like, yeah, that's it. That's who it was. <laughs> and I'm like, it's so recognizable that it's your style that it's so like, it's just so important to have that individuality 
And Thank uh, you. You know, I just, yeah, I definitely just want to applaud you for that because it's really, it's, it's no, it's remarkable for sure. Well, thank you. And I think that actually, um, I think that you guys have that too. I feel like, you know, um, I mean, I, I literally, we could talk for like hours, you guys. I think that there's such importance in that, like having your own process and uh, aesthetic that is not like something that you're going to find on Instagram. It's not something that you saw on Pinterest. It's like yours. And yeah, I mean, and I actually, I even think like sometimes it's actually better for people like us who are really creative to just be like, I have this really cool idea. I'm going to do sustainable clothing and I'm just going to like, I, I don't want to be influenced. I want it to come through me. Like I don't want to have it fed to me. I want to and when you like, I, I don't know if if this resonates, let me know. But like when you were talking about making that first Coogee sweater, Kirby, when I made the first pot holder rug, I had this like, I can't tell you it was an out of body experience because it wasn't, <laughs> but it was like, it was like this, it just kind of happened. Like it yeah. just kind of channeled, like, you know, I had all the stuff I needed to make it like around me and I had this giant pile of material I didn't know what I was going to do with. And I was definitely not going to throw it away. and it just kind of unfolded. And then I looked at it and I just, when you described your process of just like stepping back and looking at it, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the same way. And like, you just look at it. You're like, Holy crap. Like it's a that, eureka moment. Right. Like it is like yeah. literally right. Like, yeah. 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 Super cool. Hey, listen, you guys, um, we are t- chatting with Sarah and Kirby from Wallace sauce and um, we're going to come right back. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business. All right, we're back with Sarah and Kirby from Wallace Sauce. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about materials. And um, you guys were referencing some fabrics that um, came to you on a circuitous route that it was that had a there was a stop in my studio. <laughs> and I just I want to share a little bit about that material because it's it's something that is another aspect of kind of like the magic that we get to experience as textile upcyclers. So um, you know. A little backstory, I started a production company making stuff out of recycled sweaters in 1987, which I know was before you guys were born. (laughs) Not that old. Um, So when I started, I, you know, it was wool sweaters. It was before people, their polar fleece wasn't even invented yet. So there was a ton of wool sweaters in the thrift store because people would wash them and they would shrink and, you know, women would be like, my husband. (laughs) And I'd be like, thanks hubby. (laughs) And getting all this like awesome felted sweaters from the Goodwill. And, um, 
one of the companies that I loved their sweaters was called Cambridge Dry Goods. And they were, I, I guess they were based out near Boston, you know, like in the Cambridge area. And, you know, over the years, whatever, like everything kind of shifted. And now, you know, wool is a lot less prevalent in the thrift stream. But a few years ago, it was, um, I guess it was actually before, before the pandemic. I think it's going to be like, you know, like time is going to be, you know, before mm-hmm. pandemic, after pandemic, before Christ, after Christ, like all that <laughs> going to happen. Um, <laughs> but I got these emails from this gentleman who was emailing me about this, um, a bunch of sweaters he had, and he wanted to give them to me. And like you said earlier, like sometimes you get bags of sweaters and you're just like, yeah, um, these are really not something I can use. But, you know, I'm always, you know, whatever you want to be kind and thoughtful. So I responded. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm ha- I was, we were having an open studio and I thought, well, maybe you want to come to the open studio. So sure enough, this guy shows up and he's got like, um, like a pretty big, like SUV full of boxes of sweaters. And the story unfolds. He's telling me that he worked at Cambridge Dry Goods from the time he was in high school and he was, he became their CEO wow. and he never went to college and he never like, he never, he just worked at Cambridge Dry Goods and he designed sweaters. He went to China. He had sweater samples knit, get all of this experience by just doing it. And when they closed the company and I think it was in like the mid to late nineties at some point, he had kept all of the samples. Like they, instead of knitting the whole sweater as a sample, they would knit like the body, like the front of the sweater with the ribbing. And then they, sometimes they do like different color variations Mm -hmm. through that one sample. So he gave me like us an SUV load of boxes full of this material. And that's what you guys had some of. So there's a little, like uh, travel history, you know, um, and this guy, I mean, and he was over the moon excited that I was excited about these things. He'd had them in a storage unit for like, you know, 20 years or something. And yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Wow. So your Kuji sweaters, right? Like, there you go. Right. (laughs) We made so many beanies with those too. So you might see, you know, you might see someone walking around with a piece of that fabric on their head. Like it's such a cool full circle way to do things. Yeah. The, the best part too about that lot that you gave us was like since they were samples like and what we do is like for the beanies we take that rib and that's the flip up. So it's like, you know, it makes it makes the flip up like so it makes the whole shape of the beanie and stuff. So on some of them when you flip them up since they're samples, they literally have like sample written like in Sharpie over right over the thing. So, and we've had people like come in and they're like Hey, like, do you have any others that like don't say sample on them? And we're like, no, we don't. And then we've had other people who come in, they're like, oh, awesome. And like, let's throw it right on. You're like, yeah, sweet. Like, this is a sample. It's a one of one. It's like, yeah, you get it. You know, like, this is, yeah, that, this is meant for you. Like, like just because <laughs> someone decided to write on that with Sharpie doesn't make it unusable. It actually provides the backstory. Like right. You were just saying. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's funny too how I think like, You know, in our culture today, how there's so, you know, everything is kind of mass produced. And actually, I think most people don't realize that every single piece of clothing made is made by hands. Like there Mm -hmm. are no machines that Mm -hmm. like sew on sewing machines, like it's all manual labor. Mm -hmm. So that when you see that handwriting or some of them, I noticed, I don't know if you guys saw this on the batch you wound up with, but some of it was written like in different languages, different alphabets, like there was information shared that was like 
telling like the next person down the line, like this color is good or like, you know, whatever. I don't know what it said because it was in different languages, but like, you know, it sort of imbues this like other value, right? Like there's more hands touch this thing, right? It's just kind of like this cool reminder of all the people that are involved in the process of creating pretty much anything. Well, it's really funny too, like that you say that because we share our space with a weaver and she has emphasized to us many times that um, every time her hands, like her hands touch each thread like 10 times before it, she weaves and then she weaves and then there's fabric that then has to be sewn, right? So these steps of creating things from the very beginning, like you're right. I don't think people realize like how much, how many people are in contact with this one thing before it ends up in your hands, whether it's uh, a small business or a fast fashion company, um, especially when they have like, when they're doing piecework and it, and it's in a line and everybody has to do their part on one piece to get paid. It's like, you know, that's, it's a crazy system. Yeah. Not, not a great system, but you know, just to think about the people involved, like it's, it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And it's really something that I think there's more and more attention and awareness of, you know, that, that it's actually really highly skilled labor for the most part that Absolutely. kind of gets, you know, underpaid, under acknowledged, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you know, we, sh- we, we think, oh, you know, clothing manufacturing that happens overseas in China or wherever is bad. Let me just tell you like clothing manufacturing that happens in any major city in this country is not great. People mm-hmm. do not get honored for the skills they pull in their whole lives. And mm-hmm. I think it's changing. I think people like you guys and makers who are like bringing awareness to that, you have a storefront, people can come in, they can see your process. They can understand like, oh, that's how you do it. And mm-hmm. then they start to really, it's, I always think of textile upcycling as like the gateway into like, it's not really a drug, but it's like a gateway into this, like, you know, <laughs> mindset, lifestyle and yes, awareness right. of like the good life, if you ask me. Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that you bring that up too, like the fact where you're like, you know, not many people like realize where their fabric is coming from and stuff, because we're working with Meg to like make an umbrella project that that like encompasses like our uh stuff like upcycling and sewing with her weaving so uh-huh. that everything that we're going to be making with the project is going to be totally made north adams right down from the fabric all the way down to like the finished garment and like just to like offer that to people is just so crazy because it's such a dying art and it's not like we're in New York City, it's not like we're in LA, we're in North Adams, you know? So it's yeah. like to offer that and like make it something that can put the city, like it, it can like give the city an identity just from something that is like, you know, one thing ends up getting yeah. super popular. You, you well, just never know. In like, a city that was primarily textile manufacturing. Right. Like for That's exactly where I was going with that. And like yeah. also, I mean, the whole thing we were talking about, like when you were talking about the pillow you saw in the house, like, to identify, to create an identity, it doesn't matter if it's a company, if it's a location, if it's a, it's like, it makes people connect. Right. And like, mm-hmm. it, it's also like, it's old, right? Like, you know, think about how people made like linen fabric, right? Like 
somebody had to grow the linen. Somebody had to like harvest it and then wet it and then spin it. And then like, I, you know, I, somebody told me recently that it takes like, it took like four years from the time the seed went into the ground until mm-hmm. somebody was wearing that shirt mm-hmm. or linen. And if you're taking, I mean, you know, that's a little extreme. Like we don't really, we, we're not there yet, but like to, to have somebody weaving the fabric and have you guys creating that into something that's like, I mean, and every single little tiny town, every family did that right mm-hmm. at one point. Exactly. And Meg's literally bringing that back. It's funny you bring up linen because she, her, her window display right now is a mannequin covered in, in flax, in pre-processed flax. So it's, it's just out of the ground dried flax and it says flax is linen on the window and it has a little bit of like information about the process but that's exactly right like i think it takes a couple of years for the flax to even be mature enough to harvest so it's not an overnight thing it's it's such a slow process to make for all elements of the production really um yeah and she did grow that flax cuz i asked her i was like did you i was like Where'd you get that from? She's like, this is the flax that I grew. Cause there was like a couple summers ago. She was like, yeah, guys, I'm growing flax. Like this, that, the other <laughs> yeah, thing. And like, we were like, ago. yeah, you know, whatever. And then like, finally it ends up coming up and right. It's, it's in like, the window. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's just like the like, flax star. Like, it, just, it just looks like hay though. It just looks like straw. And I'm like, well, yeah. this, is, this is what it is. But it's like, yeah, you got what it is. You got to, yeah, yeah, you got to beat it. You got to spin it. You got to do all that stuff. So it really, yeah. it's, it is. It's a process. And then when yeah. you stop and think about that and you start to like really see the value in like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, you go to wherever TJ Maxx or like wherever <laughs> store H&M and you're like, you go buy a pair of linen pants because, you know, you got to go to a wedding or something. And you're like, you got, it gives you pause when you stop and realize like, oh my gosh, like all of this linen in this store was that like you've got in your window mm-hmm. right now. And like right. somebody did that. Somebody did all of those steps, right? Yep. Like, And then we yeah. have the counter of that, which is the majority of things on the rack in there are probably unnatural materials and polyester fibers and acrylic fibers and things that actually like are not like things that don't hold their quality. Like the reason that flax and linen, you know, like people put in that effort is because the product, you know, is worth it. And in the yeah, end, you'd wear it for like maybe yeah, your life, right? Exactly. Or you'd pass right. it, you know, the next three kids would have that for their, you know, yeah. And you'd totally. learn how to and repair it, and you'd learn yep. how to alter things and you'd learn how to make things work instead of cycling things in and out of your life based on aesthetic trends or like whatever it might be. It, it's really yeah. come along yeah. way. One, one yeah. thing that we, often like have conversations with is like you know like the society that we live in now versus like what it was 60 years ago where like when something broke or you know needed to be mended things were repaired and they were fixed they weren't planned obsolescence like it wasn't it wasn't like oh you know this is going to break in five years you're going to have to buy a new one it's like hey it's going to break in five years you're going to bring it to the mechanic the mechanic's going to you know maybe get another year or two out of it you got to yep. really stretch it out, do whatever you can. And then, and then that's when you like figure it out. Cause you know, I talked to my grandmother, my grandmother, um, I'm originally from like near New Bedford, Mass. So like the town over Fairhaven and she worked in the New Bedford factories, you know, growing up and when she came over from the mainland. So she distinctly remembers like from the word going from you sew the whole garment to piecework, like in yep. the factories, you know, and it, like it, decimated people's paychecks because she was she would tell me like she was such a fast worker that she would sew all these things 
And in turn, her like the people that she worked with couldn't keep up with her. So like she would make more money than the people that she was working with. So oftentimes she would have to like slow down production in order to like have the other people keep up with her. And it's like that just I don't know. It, it yeah. got to a point. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's and the other thing I think it does is it really removes any level of pride. Yeah. Like when you pay, when you only can do like the same thing over every day, like put the bra strap on the bra all day long, Who you know, you don't look at your pile at the end of the day and go, look at all this cool stuff I made. It's like, you're tired and all you want to do is go home and you never want to do that thing again. Right. right. But when you have at the end of the day, this, you know, stuff that you have completed and that's going out into the world and you have like a level of pride in it. And I think that that is, it's really important for people to feel good. Right. Like I feel like there's a, you know, I kind of joke about it a lot. It's like, uh, if I, if it's not fun, don't do it. Like Ben, Ben uh, Cohen from Ben and Jerry's, like there's a bumper sticker that I used to have on my car. And, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think that's so true. And I think, you know, I, I actually just learned um, pretty recently that there's like science now coming out that like, seriously, like if you don't have fun, you should not be doing that. Like fun is like, good for people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like it's really good for culture and it's not frivolous. It's just, it's important. So, mm-hmm. um, it's really, I, I think from what I see, you guys have a whole bunch of fun doing what you're doing, your imagery, your, the way you present yourselves online and your, your presence is like, it's really cohesive. It's, it is fun to look at. And then there's, you know, wearing your clothing is fun because it's really collaged and, and colorful and pattern on pattern. And I just, um, I think that it's awesome. I wanted to just ask, um, you had mentioned earlier that you have your storefront, you have your website, and then you also do like little markets and stuff like around and about, right? How can people learn more about where you're going to be next? Uh, we usually update on our Instagram. Um, we'll share the posts usually associated with whatever the event is. Um, and there's usually a majority in the summertime. So yeah. it's Pittsfield. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we get out a little further. A few years ago, we went to Providence and did some stuff there. Um, but we, we usually keep the Instagram updated. So keep an eye out there cool. for anything. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So if you're not um, anywhere that you can hop on the Instagram right now, I just want to say that you should definitely check out Walla Sauce at Instagram, right? It's, and it's, can you spell it just so they have a really clear... On all right, so the brand <laughs> the brand is W A L L A S A U C E, but on Instagram that handle was taken, so we're Wallace Sauce, like like the name Wallace, like W A L L A C E, and then Sauce. Um, just so that is really confused. good to know because I noticed that and I'm like, did I misspell this? Is this no. the right way? I'm so-, so yeah, good to yeah. know. So Wallace, <laughs> like the first name sauce, like the, you know, barbecue sauce um, <laughs> on Instagram, all one word, look them up. And then from there, you'll be able to access their other links to their, um, their website. And of course, if you're in the Berkshires, um, go and visit them. Seriously. It's like a really fun place. To- North Adams in general is, is awesome. And um. I bet your store is pretty awesome too. I'd love to, I will get up there one of these days soon. You um, should. Yeah, sure. yeah, I will. I will. Thank you. Um, so I just want to thank you guys for just um, making the time to spend here with me and to just share your story. Um, thank you so much. And thanks for just doing really important work in the world. Thank you for having us. And likewise, I mean, you, 
you paved the way for a lot of it in this area, especially, I think. So it's nice to have, you know, a community based around something that really sits in our values, you know? Right. You definitely, uh, it's like whenever someone mentions upcycle, they always are like, oh, you've heard Crispina French. So it's almost like, you know, it's a good, it's a good like spot to be in. Yeah. So keep, keep doing it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's actually, I have to say one of the reasons why I just, I really love podcasting is because I love to promote what other people are doing. You know, when, when I first started, I thought I'm going to change the world. I'm going to make people realize that they just are throwing stuff away. They should just be holding on to. And, you know, it wasn't very long into it where I was like, holy crap, I need all the help I can get. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And, you know, I do. I need, and we do, we need all the help we can get. So, you know, the whole kind of premise of being here, having the rags to riches podcast, having the rags to riches summit is to really just bring what we are doing front and center and let people know, like, it does not matter what your aesthetic is. It does not matter what your style is. There are people out there creating beautiful handmade upcycled clothing, home goods, anything textile um, that will meet your needs and be a really great sustainable option for, um, for your living and your lifestyle. So thanks for being part of that. Of course. And there's a really great quote that I've heard that I just want to share. Maybe it'll, um, resonate with somebody else, but, um, I don't know who said it, but it's along the lines of, we don't need a world where we have a handful of people living a zero waste lifestyle perfectly. We need a world where everybody's living an imperfect zero waste lifestyle, where everybody is trying and making some kind of effort in any type of way. Just thinking about these things is a phenomenal first step into a sustainable lifestyle. So it doesn't have to, you don't have to do crazy things to really make a difference. Get a, get a worm bin. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, get a worm bin. That's beautiful. That is awesome, you guys. Thank you so, so much. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for ending with that. Yeah. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Valhyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com.